This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Scott Chisholm. He's the CEO and co-founder of a company called Classy, a social enterprise that creates world-class online fundraising tools for nonprofits, modernizing the giving experience to accelerate global social impact. Since 2011, fundraising on the Classy platform has doubled each year, resulting in thousands of nonprofits collectively raising over half a billion with a B dollar. Scott, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So congrats on the success. How do you make money from this? Well, the business model is similar to Shopify. So we have a subscription component uh, for licensing uh, of the software. And then we have a small transaction fee component of every ticket sale or donation that flows through the platform. I, like less than 1% or like what's that fee typically? On average, it's about 1% to 1.5%. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So so take me a step back because I always like that. When I'm talking to someone dealing with nonprofits, I always want to understand the money first. So you figure out a way to kind of make this yeah. work. Um, take me back. Give me an example of like a campaign run through your platform recently that did you think did very well. Um, I'd say, you know, recently uh, with all the wildfires going on in Northern California, uh, Salvation Army, um, their Northern Territory is raising money for that. Um, I'd say through the hurricane season, <clears throat> Baton, Rouge, Baton Rouge Foundation was another organization that did uh, really well collecting money uh, and mobilizing folks around the South and really around the country and world uh, to raise money for the victims there. We're also working with the Puerto Rico Foundation to help restore Puerto Rico after that devastating hurricane in a partnership with Salesforce. Um, so obviously, I just gave three examples of uh, sort of disaster scenarios. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Uh, but we work with organizations sort of throughout the entire year on all campaigns and events, um, mainly their online uh, donor base. Got it. And what is the Salvation Army or these folks that sign up to use you on average? What do they pay per month for the platform? It depends on the size of the organization. So we have pricing uh, per uh, organization type or revenue size. So a really small organization, say a volunteer-led local charity, can come on and actually use the platform with no subscription fee uh, and only a transaction. And then larger organizations will pay more upfront in subscription and less on transaction because they're doing more volume through the platform. So similar to Shopify as an example, but it all comes down to cost of fundraising and ROI. So we have the cost of fundraising and the ROI. We have sort of guideposts for each type of plan that we present based on the amount of online fundraising that the organization does to try to bring that cost of fundraising down so that more, more of the uh, funding and donations goes to the programs. So if I, if I force you to just give me an average for the subscription base on the ones paying some kind of subscription, I mean, I'm just trying to get a sense. Is it 10 bucks yeah. a month, 10,000 a month, a million a month? Absolutely. Uh, our sweet spot has been 500 bucks a month and 2% as since we've since we've launched. And then from there, we've done lower plans and then we've done higher plans as we've moved up market. Makes good sense. Now, give me now that we understand kind of pricing and what you do, give me some of the backstory here. So what was launch year? Launch year as a tech company was 2011. Initial launch was actually a charity pub crawl in San Diego. <laughs> For the American Cancer Society, because my mom had battled breast cancer uh, through growing up, and we we wanted to do something good. And sort of our frustration through the process of trying to give to the ACS, I love them now, um, don't, don't get me wrong, um, 
it, it inspired us to basically do all sorts of fundraising events in San Diego and bring young people into the fold. And eventually we sort of discovered this gap with these nonprofits we were working with that their technology was really, uh, you know, outdated and not modern. And we decided to, I like to say naively, ambitiously throw our hat in the ring and build a platform that would help them basically modernize and reach new supporters. Were you able to use this kind of initial seed of an idea to save your mom or did she pass? No, uh, she's still with us today. Uh, she's been in remission for probably 15, 20 years. Um, and what we realized when we were living with my friends in, in uh, Mission Beach here in San Diego is that everyone in the house had been affected by it. And unfortunately, my uh, best friend Pete's dad had passed away from from brain cancer, but he he was the one that actually came up with the stay classy name, which was our original name, and that came from the Anchorman the movie, which happened to be playing in our apartment when we were trying to name the original <laughs> pub crawl. And then we dropped the stay because we didn't we didn't like uh, the fifty million uh, Ron Burgundy references we were yeah. getting, and just and start just owned classy, and so now we're classy. But it all stemmed from Ron Burgundy and that, Will Ferrell. That is so <laughs> funny. Okay, so yeah. two thousand eleven pub crawl, uh, Will Ferrell. Uh, Fast forward to today, have you bootstrapped this or do, have you decided to raise capital? Yeah, so we bootstrapped it for a while. Um, to be honest, uh, the venture community wouldn't wouldn't touch us in the early days. You know, they were a little bit hesitant about the social good space um, and the crossover between doing good and, and actually a business opportunity. Um, so, we, you know, we were first bootstrapped it and then we brought in angel money um, and we eventually scaled from there. But we've raised $53 million to date. Uh, the first five million was all from angel investors, uh, mainly, you know, rich, um, you know, successful businessmen who were also philanthropists. One of our early, uh, angel investors actually cold called us because his foundation after he had retired started using classy. Uh, and he's like, what is this thing? You know? And he called us up. He's like, you guys looking for angel money? And we're like, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, we, we were, you know, it didn't happen easily. It was sort of chunks, $25,000 chunks at a time. And we eventually got to 5 million. That was over three years. Eventually, uh, we built an integration with Salesforce. We got on their radar. Salesforce Ventures invested with in, in the Series B with Mithril Capital, Bullpen Capital. And then we recently raised $30 million as a Series C to kind of take it to the next level. That was led by San Diego and Baltimore firm JMI, who was the first investor in ServiceNow. Do you feel like, I mean, with this space, obviously, it has strong emotional ties to you and your personal life story. Do you still feel like you've got total creative control over how you evolve the platform, even with that amount of funding raised? Yes. You know, I think it's, um, it's a really, really good and important question. I think, you know, the, the way I view my role as we've, as we've grown is sort of shepherd of the culture, number one, and also the, the product roadmap. I mean, we're in it, we're in the trenches. And I think our board realizes that we have that touch point with the market and with customers, uh, and they know their role and they provide unbelievable advice from a business standpoint and otherwise. Um, but we also try to mix advisors that come from the social sector and nonprofits with our actual board that is based of investors. Um, and we use both and we take advice from both. And over the past six or seven years, how many customers are now paying you today to use the platform? Uh, we're, we just passed 4,000 organizations on the platform in terms of subscription paying customers. We're, we're a little under 2,000, so about half of those. That's pretty so healthy. Very, very large customer base. It's grown about 100% year over year since we launched in 2011. That's great. And can I just multiply the 2000 customers times that sweet spot you said earlier, 500 a month? I mean, you guys have, or you're either, you're either teasing or you just passed a million in MRR. Um, we're, yeah, we're, we're over that. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. Sorry. And that's just on and the that's subscription. Yes. That's just, subscription that's just on the subscription. Yeah. We look at run rate a little differently, but we've been basically doubling every year. Um, and we're like Shopify where about 60% of our subs, uh, revenue is subscription based and about 40% is transaction fees. So it's really healthy. And that's the way we like, kind of like to keep the balance. Yep. Can you, you said you look at runway a little differently. Can you tell me more about that for other people that might have a SaaS plus transaction fee business model? 
Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's taken us a while to refine this, but you, ARR is pretty straightforward in terms of subscription because it's basically the, the, all the subscription you have in your book of business for the, for the four or 12 months for transactions is a little bit different and it can get hairy when you're trying to predict what's going to happen over the next 12, 18 months in terms of runway. So we use the trailing 12 months to stay pretty conservative. And we, we look at the volume per type of customer. So by size, so smaller organizations will transact less, less on the platform and their transaction fee dynamics is a little bit different. So we know approximately what the revenue will be from that sized organization. And we do that by segment essentially, but we use a trailing 12 month average so that we stay conservative and we put that on top of the subscription base. So that becomes our, our total re- revenue run rate. Many of you know I am buying companies that I really, really like, and there's no quicker way for me to get to the bottom of what is happening on that website than using this tool called nathanlaka.com forward slash hot jar, H-O-T-J-A-R. It basically will give me a recording, okay? When anybody lands on the website, it'll give me a recording of where the viewer is scrolling and obviously does the basic stuff like heat maps too, but I learn so much about where the users are scrolling and clicking on my site using that tool. It helps me increase conversion rates, make more money and grow those businesses faster. And we'll have to see what happens with those businesses, but I'm buying them. I'm buying them very quick and I'm using nathanlaka.com forward slash hot jar for all of my website analytics. You can too. I work with them. It's totally free. You can go to nathanlatka.com forward slash hot jar. No credit card required. Again, use it as much as you want. nathanlatka.com forward slash hot jar. I'll see you there. So, so over the next two to five years, do you which revenue stream do you see scaling faster? In other words, a lot of people in this space to get more competitive as the subscription predictable revenue grows, they'll drive down their transaction fees to get more customers and, and undercut competitors. Do you see yourself executing that strategy or no? I think the I think the split between subscription and transaction fee is really up to the customer in our mind. Um, we look at it as like a big curve, and it's really all about cost of fundraising. We want to bring the cost of fundraising down. So if we can continue to scale and our costs go lower um, to provide software to, to more people, then absolutely we'll keep lowering the cost, Amazon style, uh, across every plan, so that the cost of fundraising keeps going down and that we in class it becomes accessible for more and more organizations over time. Yep. And just, just to be clear, I want to make sure I heard you properly earlier. You said you're growing revenue about hundred percent year over year. Is that right? We have since launch. Yep. That's amazing. Um, what are you doing to acquire customers? Um, we've, we've taken a, a page out of HubSpot's playbook in the early days and it's very inbound marketing focused. So we have four full-time writers, we have an editor, we have a full-time video, uh, person, uh, and really our marketing team is almost like a little bit of a media company. We have one of the most, uh, red blogs in the space. We produce content daily webinars, you name it. Uh, and so that really, that thought leadership content and positioning in the sector uh, has been our primary playbook from a marketing and acquisition standpoint. People will download a guide, they'll read a blog, they'll become a lead, and then they'll learn about what we have to offer on the technology side. So that's that's probably the primary one. Um, and then just cold outreach, um, you know, sort of the tried and true sales. Uh, we have a big inside sales team. Um, we're experimenting with sort of hybrid field sales as we move up market, but we're 99% inside. Uh, and I'd say, you know, marketing covers about say 60% of the floor. The other 40% is just cold outreach. Um, you know, calling up different organizations that we think would be a fit. And what's your team size today? We're about 220 folks. Uh, and the makeup of that is about 45%, um, sales about, uh, 
35 to 40% dev and then the, everyone else is, is the rest. Yep. Marketing, sales, content, et cetera. Yep. Uh, interesting. Now, are you spending, uh, obviously you have a, a big content team that you said it's almost a small media agency. Are you doing any pay, just direct paid spend? We are. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've, we've, we started with almost zero paid spend and we've started to ramp that up. And the strategy is interesting because it's, we find that less people will just click on an ad and, and just go right into a trial or something like that. So we've really had to be, be, um, methodical about how we track attribution across all the content. Uh, we just implemented a tool called full circle, which has been really awesome for illuminating how people digest and read our content, not only one contact, but across multiple contacts within an account or an organization. So at one point we, for one of these larger organizations, we actually realized that 41 unique people were reading our content at one time. We never really had the visibility to see that from the same company. Yeah. And it all started with a paid ad. So circling back to what you said, we couldn't track if they didn't just convert right away, it was hard for us to see what happened after that. Did they come back? Did they attract more contacts? Were they sharing our content? And now we're able to see that. And so paid's become a more important piece of the playbook, but it isn't like, hey, just someone clicks on an ad, they convert into a trial and they become a customer. There's much more of a slower ramp um, for us. What have, you, what have you scaled your paid up to? What'd you spend last month on just paid stuff, would you say? Oh, I'm not even sure what our actual paid budget is per month. Um, but I, you know, in terms of our overall marketing and sales spend, it's minimal. Yeah, less than hundred grand a month? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Got it. And then when you, when you take, obviously you have a lot of fixed costs and you put marketing spend, spend and variable, which is, you know, Google ads, et cetera. So if you did like a fully weighted CAC, do you care about that? And if you do, how do you track it and what is it? Yeah, we do fully burdened CAC. We track that really meticulously. Actually, ever since the company started, we've been under 18 months. That's sort of like our, you know, yeah, if we're putting, if we're putting our foot on the accelerator, we want to be around 18 months, but you know, depending on where you, where and how you make investments over time, that, that changes of course. Um, but you know, our sweet spot and where we want to be is under 12. Obviously that's sort of best practice rule of thumb. And we're, we're trending back towards under 12 now, which is fantastic. But when you grow the sales team and you make hires, like we include in that, in that ratio, we include everyone that's ramping up all reps that are ramping up. It's totally fully burdened. Um, so we don't try to play with that number and get cute. Uh, it's truly like an 18 month payback. And then we try to trend towards 12. So if we can get 12 or under, we're really happy with that. Yep. As you figure out how to give new leads to new sales hire, as you train them on the calls to like help them hit their quota, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. So multiplying that out, 18 month payback period, you said your sweet spot's 500 bucks a month in terms of revenue per customer. That's about nine grand on the high end to acquire a customer. That's obviously trending down as your new sales hires grow to to full capacity. Yeah, you're you're good with quick math. That's that's about right. (laughs) You know, this is the stuff I do every day, so don't give me too much credit. Now, what about, what do you, you know, relative to that CAC, how long do you assume these nonprofits stay with you in terms of lifetime value? Well, our churn is really low and we actually have net negative retention um, when you when you factor in upgrades and expansion. What, what are those numbers? Can you share them? Yeah, so we're like, we're, we've been about 100 to 110 net negative retention for a while. Uh, and as we move up market, it's a little different because it takes longer for the organizations to, to ramp up. But we expect that to be, you know, really, really healthy moving forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um, What's that I on should, a logo basis? So, so you just said 110% net negative revenue uh, yep. revenue churn. What is that on a logo? Uh, gross or, or net? Uh, do yeah, give me uh, give me gross. Yeah, gross is like basically like fifteen percent across the across the full platform annually. For upper yeah, for upper market segments, it's much lower, of course, um, really high in the nineties, upper nineties, and then when you get towards like emerging for really small organizations, um, you know that's where you see a little bit higher churn, just like S and B for profits. Um, but we're you know it's all about calibrating again, coming back to that cost of fundraising. What's the ROI for that customer? And we're actually working on a program now to right size 
the plans a little bit so that customers are in the right ROI plan. So we didn't have, you know, we have four or five plans now and it's basically on a curve based on your online uh, costs or your cost of fundraising rather. In the early days, we didn't have that. We were sort of a one, one size fits all for 499 and 2%. So we've done a lot of right sizing for smaller customers to try to keep that retention as high as possible. On a dollar basis, we're, we've been above, you know, 100 for forever, pretty much. Got it. When you, when you actually give me like a dollar figure for customer, do you, do you assume an average nonprofit is worth what, six, seven, eight, 10, 20 grand over their life? Yeah, it's more like, it's actually more like 30 um, around there. Yep. On, on, across everyone in terms of lifetime. And our, and our you know, our ratio CAC to LTV has been, you know, as high as 10, like it's, it's always been over three. It's, 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 I think it's a healthy six right now or so. Yeah. That's, that's all the economics look super healthy. Um, and our, where are you guys based? San Diego. So all 200, 218 people are in San Diego. Uh, one's in, one's in, um, France and, and one's in Washington. That's amazing. All right, let's wrap up here. Uh, Scott with the famous five, number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, I'm going to have to go with Andy Grove, high output management. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Warren Buffett, always. <laughs> Number three, what's your besides your own, what's your favorite online tool? I'm going to have to go with Redfin because I just bought a house and our CTO was the former CTO of Redfin. So I'm always uh, partial to that one. I hope he held on to some equity. It sounds like they had a pretty successful IPO. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> All right, good. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, over eight, almost every night, usually nine. Okay, and what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids? Uh, married with two kids, two boys. Six Are they young? Six and three. Six okay. And three. Yeah. And still getting sleep. So somehow I'm pulling it off. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right. And how old are you, Scott? I'm 36. All right. Last question. Take us back uh, 16 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> there you guys have it. Straightforward from Scott. Don't be a dick. It all started with some good old Ron Burgundy quotes, his mom and a pub crawl back in 2011. Now Classy is one of the leading, if not the leading fundraising tool for not, he's he's shaking his head. I'll say the leading nonprofit tool for fundraising. I was shaking my head at Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> They've raised 53 million bucks, have a team of 220 people out there in San Diego. They've processed over 500 million dollars of funds raised for these nonprofits. They're doing well over a million dollars a month. That's just their SaaS model with 2,000 customers paying. They also take a transaction fee with the goal of making sure they optimize for the, uh, the fundraising ROI for their different customers. Scott, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you for having me.